to be back here. And uh, I always get a sense, I've said this to a couple people, but when I come here, <clears throat> there's always an authenticity that I feel. There's just a realness that I feel that I don't get in every church that I go to. And I so appreciate that. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, pray to God you do. Go to Zephaniah chapter 1. It's in the Old Testament. It's back towards the end of the, the book where the minor prophets are. And by the way, I just want to put, put a few of you at ease. You may have heard me cough. I had some pepper this morning and it's hung in the back of my throat. That's not the... I <clears throat> can't get it down. If somebody get me a water bottle, I'd give them half of my kingdom for it. Uh, right now, that's like two bucks, so I don't want you to get all sewed up in the... Okay. How many come to hear the word of the Lord this morning? I see one. How many come to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Did you seriously? Yes. Good, because you're going to get that. What a servant you are carrying a baby. I've never met a woman who couldn't do five things at once. Got a baby, going getting water, hanging on to things, listening to the Word. We get mad if we have to do one other thing, right Trevor? That's right. Thank you. Zephaniah chapter 1. Hopefully you're there. I'm going to give you just a very brief background on what Zephaniah is. He was a prophet. He was a great-grandson of King Hezekiah. He came out of a priestly, kingly, uh, ruling family. Probably this book was written, best guess, 641 to 612 B.C. We know that because in chapter 2 he prophesied the destruction of Nineveh, which we know happened. It fell in 612. So, you've got to look the context of when he wrote it, he was prophesying during the time of good King Josiah. <clears throat> and good King Josiah eventually started some reforms in the nation of Judah, Israel, but specifically tribe of Judah. But we don't know, it doesn't look like they've happened yet. So verse, chapter 1, verse 7 Silent in the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Well, the Lord has prepared a sacrifice, He's invited His guest. And I'm just going to take one verse this morning, and that sounds kind of, you know, it's, that's heavy stuff, right? Be silent in the presence of the Lord. For the day of the Lord is at hand. Now, I don't, it doesn't take a prophet to kind of look around and look at the signs and say we're, we're inching closer towards the day of the Lord. I get an amen from somebody. It doesn't take somebody with a great deal of discernment. Even the unsaved can look around and say something cataclysmic looks like it's on the horizon. And to be quite honest with you, I mean, I've read the end of the book and I know that we win, but between here and there, 
There's another story happening. There's something else playing out there. And I've, I've prayed and I've sought the Lord to see some things on the horizon. I'm a pretty positive guy, but there's some things that I see, I don't know how they shake out exactly. Some of them are pretty concerning to me. So, I want to tell you a brief story about how this verse came to be in my life. On the 31st day of August, I, w I tested positive for the coronavirus. And um, I had had it probably for four or five days before that, I know, because of the symptoms, the sinus pressure and the headache and, you know, just general fatigue. And I thought, well, okay, I can do this. This is like no big deal. I'll, I'll, I'll get through it, whatever. On a about day five or six, around the 2nd of September, I was rushed to the hospital in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I couldn't breathe. And uh, <clears throat> things got serious real fast. And I, I walked in, got in there, and they took me in, and everybody's wearing Tyvek suits and respirators. And they put me in this plastic room with, you know, and uh, I'm on the, the gurney, and they've got their everything up to me. And some of you, if you're nurses in here, know when, when they put that little monitor and it shows all your vital signs, instantly it started going off. It sounded like a fire truck. My, the oxygen in my blood, the saturation had come down to 85. And many of your nurses, is that good? That's not good, is it? Anything below 88 is mandatory, mandatory hospitalization. My blood pressure bottomed out to 96, or excuse me, yeah, 96 over 61. My respiration was faint. They couldn't hardly find a pulse. Things were not looking real great. I was still, you know, I was still cognizant. I was, I was aware and I could see them outside of that, uh, the glass doors and then the plastic. And uh, it's the first time in my life I've ever seen a trauma doctor panic. That's not a good sign either. They're trained not to do that. And his face goes into full-blown panic and I can watch him mouth the words to the nurse and he's yelling. Are we going to get him into critical care? Are we going to put him on a respirator? All these type of things. And they start pumping. They've got IVs in me. They've got tubes in me. Everything is going. And uh, they walk away to do something. And I whisper to the Lord one thing. I said, is this how it all ends? He spoke back six words I'll never forget. It wasn't audible, it just hit my heart with such a force. And he said, I'm not going to let you die. He didn't say, I'll send angels. He didn't say, the prayers of the saints are doing. He said, I'm not going to let you die. Within a few minutes, my blood saturation of oxygen had jumped to 92, literally. Still not normal, but we're trending in the right way. My blood pressure comes up to 112 over 64. Not, not the greatest, but still much better. My respiration is starting to get better. My pulse, they can find a, a pretty strong pulse now. 
They're pouring bags of fluid into me. I'm chronically dehydrated. Before this, he said, your kidneys are about to shut down. And so, but I'm, but as soon as the, it was Jesus, as soon as Jesus spoke that, the anxiety melted away. Does anybody know he can do that for you? As soon as he said that, I just lost track of wars and tax returns and bills and wasn't worried about checking my phone anymore. I had him on my heart. Everything was okay. Still laying there with tubes and wires and everything, electrocardiogram going off. And within one hour, my blood saturation of oxygen was at 95, borderline okay. Blood pressure, 118. Over 68, it's normal. Respiration is strong without assisted breathing. Things start medicine into me, you know, look like a dope dealer, just everything. That he did. And the doctor stood outside, and before I watched him panic, I watched him scream at the nurse, but this time I watched him and he cocked his head like a dog and he looked at that monitor and he said, I don't believe it. He walked inside and he said, I don't believe this. Your vitals have turned around so quick. And I said to him, I said, well, that was Yeshua. I might as well have showed him alien autopsy photos. <laughs> he did not care anything about that. He didn't want to hear anything about that. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring this part of it to a close. Within a couple hours, I'm laying there. Everything's normal. Where it was dire, just a few Short hours before that. He said in the morning, he said, I don't really do this. He said, but I'm going to leave it up to you if you want to go home. He said, I'm going to let you go home. He said, I'd like to keep you for a couple more days. I said, I want to go home. So I got home and for the next 12 to 14 days, I battled horrible chronic fatigue, un unexplainable body aches like you wouldn't believe. Some of you may have had this and you understand. I won't get into all those details, but it was, it was an uphill battle. And I do appreciate the prayers of the saints. I didn't tell a lot of people about it. But on how this comes about is on September the 2nd, I'm laying in my bed, and I'm home from the hospital. And I felt just to go to my kitchen table, which was about 20 feet from my bedroom. And when you're suffering like that, 20 feet seems like 20 miles. And I got my and, and I just felt the Lord say, go to the book of Zephaniah. And I did. And instantly, be silent in the presence of the Lord God for the day of the Lord is at hand. Now, at hand is an interesting phrase in the Bible. Because... Paul had mentioned that the day of the Lord was at hand. And he, you know, we're talking 60, 63 A.D., somewhere in there. Well, it wasn't exactly fulfilled. So what does at hand mean? It doesn't mean that it's going to happen today or tomorrow. It means nothing else needs to happen before this event can come to pass. Every requirement, every satisfied situation is there so that the day of the Lord can transpire. I want you to keep that in mind. Because Zephaniah starts out prophesying some people who are preterist or hold a 
a particular view will say, well, this was fulfilled in, and they'll give three or four dates, the, the Assyrian invasion, or maybe it was 70 AD when Titus sacked Jerusalem, but it's problematic for those reasons because when you get to chapter 3 of Zephaniah, around verse 11, it becomes very messianic. He speaks about the king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst during this time. Well, there's only one king of Israel. And so when we start thinking about that, and I'm reading that phrase at my kitchen table at early o'clock in the morning, and I'm looking about, be silent before the Lord. Well, the day of the Lord's at hand. Nothing else needs to happen. It can go off at any time. The Lord is ready to come back. And most of my life, I have treated God like a vending machine. I walked up and I put my prayer in and I pulled it out and I said, there's what I want. Let's just do it real quick. Let's throw it in. Let's pull it. And let's get it out. And there's what. Oh, praise God. Amen. And God in His mercy many times gave me what I wanted and what I prayed for. And I walked up and put those 20-second prayers in. And because He did care about me, but there was sometimes, and maybe a few of you would testify, I would put my coin in and I would pull my lever and nothing came out. Various reasons for that, and we could argue about those, or we could talk about those, but I started meditating, letting this sink in. I said, Lord, if you led me here early in the morning, you're wanting me to really grab hold of something. You don't just speak and let it enter the air. Be silent in the presence of the Lord. And you say, well, Brother John, that can't be, because Paul says pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5. I got you there. Okay, you got me. But what Paul says is that attitude of prayer. That be an instant in any situation as you're driving down the highway or whatever you're doing. It don't have to be a formal setting. It's just be ready to go. Have that attitude of communion with the Lord. But this be silent in the presence of the Lord. How many of us just walk up and stand in the presence of the Almighty King? How many of us just walk up and not wanting anything? Say, I'm just going to stand before you in your majesty because you deserve that. You deserve me to stand there in reverence and awe of who you are. You're my father. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. And I just want to stand here and soak up who you are for a little while before I start. Because too many times, and I, and, and I really get a sense of this right now, you, you can get on YouTube, you can get on all these social media sites, and you've got this guy saying this, you've got this person saying this over here, Lord's coming back tomorrow morning, I've figured it out, I've calculated it. You've got this guy over here saying, oh no, don't worry about it, he ain't, he ain't coming back for 17,000 more years. You, you've got people all over the charts. And you know what? I believe the Lord has really been impressing on my heart lately. Be very careful what you say. If you've got any kind of prophetic thread or you've got any kind of that end time stuff to you, be ever so careful what you say. 
stand before the Lord in silence and just meditate over His Word. This thing will never go wrong, by the way. Amen? Stand before Him in the silence and in the awe and the reverence and say, now Lord, what is it before I start generating those requests? Nothing wrong with those. But, but you know what else I figured out about this? Sitting at the, in the dark in that dining room table. I always wanted God on my side. And I think He went before Joshua. He said, now Joshua, bow down. The angel of the Lord appeared to him. He says, it's not about me getting on your side. It's about you getting on my side. It's not saying, Lord, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and you bless it. It's about, Lord, what is it you really want from my life? What is it you really want to do with me as a broken vessel? Now, I believe we've been made whole in Him, but, but that, that's also a process. Sometimes the flesh has to Spirit's pure before Him. He also says that when you start reading the rest of this, there's some people that the Lord wants to really do some correction to. I may get it, I may step on some toes here. Everybody say, I love Brother John, okay? <laughs> Verse 4 the names of the idolatrous priests. I mean, there were priests in Israel who were idolatrous? There were priests serving in the temple who were idolatrous? Who weren't devoted to God? Does that sound like any churches you know? Don't answer that. <laughs> Those who worship the host of heaven on housetops. They go up where they think nobody sees them. This one's especially troubling. Those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, but who also swear by Milcom. Milcom is Molech by another name. What was Molech for? Child sacrifice. There you go, ma'am. Those who swear by the Lord and worship the Lord, but also buy into child sacrifice. Does that sound familiar? I'm a Christian, but I'm pro-choice. Anybody mad yet? Stay with me, I'll get you there. And those who have turned back from following the Lord and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of Him, He also mentions in verse 12 those who are settled in complacency and saying in their heart the Lord won't do evil, He won't do good. God's just really not invested in your life anymore. Does any of that sound familiar today? The people you talk to, they, yeah, God, God's, not, God's not in the business of healing you. God's not in the business of delivering you. God's not in the business. He don't care. Just go live your life. That's borderline ignorant. You have a heavenly Father who cares intimately about everything that happens to you. Every single issue in your life He's invested in. Everything that you do He cares about. What kind of father would He be if He didn't? Because we have such warped views of fatherhood because some of us haven't had good fathers, because some of us have had absent fathers, because some of us have seen things that probably we don't even want to talk about that have happened with fathers. And, and so that 
tints and it obstructs and it gives us a bad narrative of who God really is. And part of that really can be remedied by standing silent in awe in the presence of your Father. And listening to what He says. Because see, I assure you, if you will stand in the presence of God silent, I guarantee you He will speak. Get this thing open. He speaks to me through this more than He ever has. This Word of God is speaking to me these days like you wouldn't believe. Somebody will walk up to me and they'll confirm what He was saying in this Word. Sometimes somebody just has a word from the Lord. Sometimes the Lord just speaks directly to you. I'm not going to let you die. Now it's interesting. I wasn't laying on that hospital bed saying, I rebuke this. I just say, Lord, this blood saturation, it's going to come up. And if, if you're here and if you're uh, watching by uh, wherever we put this on social media and you want to come up and... Give me a lesson in the finer points of decreeing and declaring and rebuke and resist that urge. So I'm, I'm going to do something here. I'm, we're not going to go long this morning. I know that you've, you've got a ministry team that's going to come up after, right? Okay. Everybody in here, I just want you to bow your heads. You don't have to stand. I just want you to bow your heads. Please, nobody looking around. As you're bowing your heads and, and everybody's just focusing on, on you. I, I, I want to do something. I just want to ask you, who in here feels like you're totally connected to the Lord? Every prayer you pray gets answered. You feel like it's just seamless before the Lord. You walk around and you say, you know, I, re I really got that. If you feel that way, would you just lift your hand? Okay. And here would say, well, you know, I may not be there, but, but, but most of the time I do feel pretty connected to the Lord. And, and a lot of my prayers get answered. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes that disappoints me. But, but I understand. And, and, and maybe on my good days, I'm 50-60%. Would anybody raise your hand and say that? Okay. That's all right. Just raise them. Okay. Thank you. Put them down. This last one. This is going to require some brutal honesty. Nobody looking around. Maybe you'd say like me, most of the time, Brother John, I don't feel connected to the Lord. I struggle. My mind wanders. Sometimes when I pray, I feel like my prayers get about three and a half inches above my head. And I feel like I don't know. Sometimes I don't understand His Word. I read it and I don't get anything. And I feel bad about it. And I don't even want to confess that to people. If you're like me and you're that way, raise your hand. Hands. There's several hands all over the building. Thank you. I, I feel that way too. And I'm just being very, because this is the place tonight. I just want to tell you today is the transparency here at Jesus Center. Today is the day where there's healing happened. Mentioned something in his in his uh, communion. James five is that confess your faults to one another that you may be healed. Today is the day for a spiritual healing here. And if you will just hold on to what you said and in some boldness say, you know what, I don't care who it is that's going to be down here praying, it doesn't matter. That's irrespective of it. But whoever it is, I'm going to come down front and I'm going to kneel at this altar. And today's going to be the day where I start that connection process. I'm going to stand silent before the Lord. I'm going to just stand silent.
silent before Him and I'm going to say, God, You gave me this new heart, this clean heart that You promised, and I'm just going to let You have access to all of it. The question is not how much God do we get. The question is how much do we get of us? You've got all of God you're going to get, but how much is He going to get of you? And I've decided in my life after this thing with Corona, I, I, I'm going to let Him have me. I don't know what that's going to take to get there. And we don't have to know. So whoever, whoever's going to minister, would you just, whoever's supposed to be down here praying, would you come now? Whoever's going to be the people that work the altar, would you come now? And I, those of you who were like me, if you, you say, and I, sometimes I just really don't feel connected to the Lord, and sometimes I don't get it 